Hello, my name is Mark Gibson, and you're listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series, a weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Welcome to the 99th episode of the Signpost webinar series. I hope you're keeping safe and well uh, wherever you're joining us from today. A reminder that the Signpost series is brought to you by Chagask in collaboration with Dairy Sustainability Ireland, the National World Network, and Food Drink Ireland Skillnet. So the last number of weeks have given us all a wake-up call uh, to the degree in which we rely on fossil fuels to sustain our society. With rising oil and gas prices, all sectors are looking to more sustainable, secure and cost-effective energy sources. Last December, Minister Eamon Ryan announced the new micro-generation support scheme, which provides a range of supports to assist homes and businesses to develop renewable generation for self-consumption. He also announced the introduction of a payment framework to microgenerators for exported electricity for the first time. And for more on this, I'm delighted to be joined by Rory Summers, who's Assistant Principal Officer in the Retail Energy Policy Division at the Department of Environment, Climate and Communications, and also Leo Haverty, who's HEO in the same division. And we're also joined by Barry Caslan, who's Energy and Rural Development Specialist with Chagask. Good morning, gentlemen. You're very welcome to the Signpost series. Morning. Morning, Mark. Uh, Rory, uh, you're working very close, obviously, on the policy side here with the microgeneration scheme. Could you tell us a little bit about the work that you're you're doing in your d- division? Thanks, Mark, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to speak to to on behalf of the department in relation to microgeneration. Um, we're delighted to be here this morning. Um, I'm the policy lead for microgeneration. And microgeneration is a commitment under the Climate Action Plan 2019 and the Programme for Government, uh, and has also formed part of the Climate Action Plan 2021. The objective of the policy is to deliver a support scheme for microgeneration and also to bring about um, legislation by transposing an EU directive called the Renewable Energy Directive uh, in order to provide an, an obligation on suppliers to remunerate micro and small scale generators for renewable electricity exported to the grid. Um, So I'm delighted to be able to bring some details of that. Um, I should say that in the broader scheme of things, we're also um, involved in in a whole, I suppose, landscape of renewable supports. Uh, And the the work that I do is also feeding into work which is planned into the future around small-scale generation. Uh, And I'll just give an insight into that at the end of my presentation. Great, great. And Leo, you're very welcome. You're working with Rory in the same area. Yeah, my basically performing the admin and support for Rory on microgen and other programs in the retail energy division. Great. Well, it's great to have you with us. And Barry, uh, you're working in this sector a long time, energy uh, specialist with Chagask. Um, maybe just to to get get us into the the session today, you know, explain what is microgeneration for for some people who aren't familiar with the term. Yeah, I suppose microgeneration, we had a scheme a number of years ago, it was around 2009, where you're looking at systems under 50 kilowatts uh, and giving support to that to encourage microgeneration, small, small scale generation. So that would be in our homes, in our buildings, in our uh, industrial buildings. And like the likes of this technology of solar PV, which is I suppose, the main uh, talking point uh, today, like there's been an 80% reduction in the cost of solar PV compared to 10 years ago. So I suppose that fact, and combined with the fact that the electricity prices are really on the upward trend at the moment, and have been, I suppose, for the last 12 months, even before the situation in Ukraine, 
So, and you've also got various grant supports available. You know, it's making solar PV installation a very viable option for farm families to run their homes uh, and also maybe on the farm. It's very relevant to the likes of the dairy sector, uh, the poultry, the pig, uh, and the horticultural sector as well, for there to be a fair bit of, a, a, of energy usage and electrical usage. And I suppose it's also government policy mark as well at the moment to electrify heating and transport. If you don't, don't have an electric car at the moment, maybe your next car, the one after it, maybe an electric car, mm. you'd be using electricity to charge it and you could be you know, charging it from the use of uh, PV solar panels to generate your own electri uh, electricity in the future. Uh, so yep. the economics for solar PV, the work best as well when the electricity generated is used is used on the farm rather than exporting it. So while microgeneration is about, you know, that you can export excess electricity at times when you can't utilize it, that, that's great. But the more you can use yourself, the better. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a key point. And look, there's a lot of roof space across uh, farms in Ireland, I think, uh, that uh, could could be occupied. Well, I, I think we're going to see a lot more of these panels appearing over the next uh, number of years. So look, with, without delay, I think we'll get straight into the presentation. You're going to give us the, the nuts and bolts of the, the, the scheme, Rory. And uh, so, uh, Rory, we'll hand over to you and uh, we'll chat to you after the presentation. Thanks, Mark. And thanks, Barry. So good morning, everybody. Um, I'm going to talk about, um, at the start, a little bit of the policy landscape and the background to how uh, we are uh, looking at the work required to deliver a microgeneration support scheme and some of the objectives of that policy. The main thrust of the presentation is about the microgeneration support scheme. So an effort to try to explain what the scheme is, the various aspects of the supports and when they'll be available and how you access them. Um, I'll then look at the return on investment around microgeneration, uh, just to try to explain what an optimum uh, system looks like and, and how to optimize the choices that you have in, in, in the different technologies or the different scales that you might consider installing. I'll go on then to talk a little bit about how communities can participate in the microgeneration support scheme. Uh, briefly touch on this topic of the interaction between the MSS and TAMS, which will be of interest uh, to this audience. And finally, I'll just um, conclude with a, a wrap up on the timelines for the programme. So uh, without further ado, just um, the policy landscape, I suppose uh, we've been working on this for a number of years in the department, but in 2018, the then Minister for the Environment um, introduced and government domestic solar PV grant scheme. Um, so it was the first dedicated solar PV scheme rolled out to domestic homes. Uh, and since then, over 9,000 applications have been supported and 33 megawatts of solar capacity has been installed to date. And that, that scheme is growing year on year. And the level of supports that are available within that scheme has grown considerably. Another feature which is a key enabler to, uh, to the, the use of uh, renewable generation in the home and in businesses is smart metering. So smart metering had a long preamble, but in November 2019, the rollout of smart meters began. And, and that's a four year program which is due to be complete by the end of 2024. Um, at the moment, over 40,000 smart meters have been exchanged every month and over 700,000 smart meters have been installed with a target of about 2.4 million meters overall by the end of 2024. Um, so smart meters are really important in that they are a single meter 
which exchanges your, your typical single electricity meter. Uh, and it is the ability not only to measure the consumption of electricity, but also key to renewable generation. It can measure any export that might be going out to the grid. And that is obviously important to measure when you want to be paid for that electricity going out to the grid. Uh, it also supports time of use tariffs. So it will, it will give you the this consumption or the export in 30 minute intervals. And that allows you to be able to access what are available now in the market, smart tariffs, so time of use tariffs. We would be used to over many years, day night tariffs, but nowadays all suppliers must provide day night and peak hour tariffs. Um, and that's to allow people to understand that uh, valuable electricity um, is, is costly at peak times. And so if we can change our behavior and use electricity off peak times, we can get a lower price for that electricity. Another key feature of the policy landscape is, I suppose, the introduction of, of significant volumes of, of solar PV. So the Renewable Electricity Support Scheme is a government-funded support for large-scale renewables. Uh, the first auction took place in 2020. 64 projects are currently in that first auction with over one gigawatt of renewable generation capacity progressing. And a significant portion of that is solar PV. Now, the first connected project connected last November um, and uh, the projects in that uh, auction are for greater than one megawatt solar or greater than six megawatts of wind. So you're really talking about um, large scale renewable generators. Uh, but there's also a facility within that auction for community projects up to five megawatts. Um, and, and the reason we mentioned that is that that's really introducing significant solar industry capacity into Ireland for the first time. And that will push down costs and increase the availability of resources around solar in terms of installation and technology and support. As Barry mentioned, solar PV costs have reduced at least 70% in the last 10 years. Now, Barry mentioned 80%, which was the, the, the wisdom of, of recent times, but some of the impacts of COVID have probably clawed back a little bit of that reduction in the last 18 months, uh, which may reverse over, or as uh, supply lines and logistics improve but there's a, a significant reduction in those costs and that's making it the dominant technology of choice because the payback periods for that technology at those lower costs are the most viable. Another key aspect is from the European Union. So there's a thing called the Clean Energy Package, which is a measure of eight legislative packages that deliver new entitlements and obligations um, within the electricity and, and the energy sector. Uh, and that package of legislation includes the Renewable Energy Directive, which provides that obligation that if you're exporting electricity, to, renewable electricity to the grid, that you are uh, entitled to a payment for that electricity. And I'll talk a little bit about more about that later. And finally, we have the Climate Action Plan. So the government has made a commitment to deliver microgeneration supports through successive climate action plans in the programme for government. And last December, the minister approved and the government approved the microgeneration support scheme, um, which provides a package of measures to support domestic and non-domestic homes to install new renewable generation. So what we can see um, in up to the recent times in the in the scale at the bottom, we have the size of renewable generation and the yellow box on the left shows where you're talking about the smallest microgeneration typically on homes. And far to the right, we have in the green, we have the large scale renewables. We're talking six megawatts to 200 megawatts large scale renewable projects. 
And I mentioned that there's a community aspect to res, which allows for between one megawatt and six megawatts. And these are um, important supports that are available today. But what we can see, of course, is that there's a very large gap in that graph for six to 50 kilowatts and up right up to one megawatt. There, that there are up until the microgeneration support scheme, there are no supports in that space. And that's a large area of policy to be filled in order to encourage people to develop projects at different scale. So that's, that represents the gap that the microgen policy attempts to address a, a part of. And in particular, it attempts to address this area here between zero and 50 kilowatts, what we call microgeneration. So the objectives of microgen policy is to encourage deployment of microgeneration up to 50 kilowatts, which will empower people and give them a direct stake in the transition to a zero carbon economy through the use of renewable generation. It also assists the public in the take-up of carbon reduction measures through awareness around uh, energy consumption, energy generation, and how to um, offset carbon fossil fuel-based uh, electricity and uh, uh, heating. It fosters behavioral change in energy use and helps develop local supply chains and drive down energy costs. And energy costs are probably one of the dominant topics in the public debate at the moment. Um, and everybody is looking at means to reduce their energy costs and microgeneration is a key plank of that. So what is in the microgeneration support scheme or MSS? There are three main aspects to the MSS. The first is a guaranteed export tariff, what we call the clean export guarantee in Ireland. This is um, coming to us by way of EU directive. So all member states of Europe have to introduce a guaranteed export tariff for micro and small scale generators. The second piece is a range of capital grants. Uh, so we're, we have um, approval to support domestic and non-domestic applicants for capital grants up to six kilowatts, non-domestic or at any size for domestic. And the last piece is a premium export tariff. So for those non-domestic uh, applicants, instead of a grant, they would be eligible for a premium tariff on export, and that would be from six to 50 kilowatts. The overall scheme itself is looking to incentivize 380 megawatts of installed capacity by 2030, with uh, estimated 69,000 new installations over that period. And we can see the breakdown between small microgenerators uh, and non-domestic greater than six kilowatt. So just to go into those um, different three areas uh, individually and, and dr drill into them a little bit. So the guaranteed export tariff or the clean export guarantee, um, this is for all exported renewable electricity that goes to the grid. And recently Pinergy were the first supplier to advertise a rate and their rate is available on the website at 13.5 cents per kilowatt hour. So all existing microgenerators are eligible to this uh, payment. And as an example, if you are an existing microgenerator, and let's say you consume 60% of what your solar panels generate, and therefore you have 40% left over to spill to the grid, if you're getting paid 13.5 cents per kilowatt hour for that 40%, the average house, which we might say is three kilowatts or 12 square meters of panels, would receive 130 euros per annum. A small SME, which might be six kilowatts or 24 square meters panels, that would receive 260 euros per annum. Uh, a medium SME with 11 kilowatts uh, or 42 square meters of, of panels would receive 475 euros per annum. 
and, uh, and the largest microgenerator at 50 kilowatts or approximately 206 square meters would receive 2,160 euros per annum. So we can see that that's um, quite a significant amount of money to receive every year. Um, the clean export guarantee is, is not a government support scheme. This is an EU directive. So it's an obligation that's in the electricity market forever. Um, so there's no time limit to when this will be available. It, the rate that's available, that 13.5 cents, that is something which is being um, offered on a commercial basis by the uh, suppliers. So the, the Commission for Regulation of Utilities, which is the energy regulator, has made the decision that they want each of the suppliers to compete for the business of, of getting people to sign up to a clean export guarantee. And so different suppliers, excuse me, may have different tariffs. The tariffs and how they decide on the rate is based on their own commercial interests in terms of how they want to attract people to, to become customers or to retain them as customers. But also it must be reflective of the wholesale electricity price. So that 13.5 cents is very high compared to the long run um, wholesale electricity price. Um, it, when we started the process of the microgeneration support scheme work, that figure um, would probably been around four or five cents per kilowatt hour. So um, one of the upsides of high energy prices is that if you're selling electricity or exporting it to the grid, that you're getting paid more money for that. Rory, the last thing I say is, about that. Could I ask you, this is available for everybody. Is it that exports or that has yes. microgeneration and has a smart uh, meter? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, if you read once, so there are criteria and I'll, I'll go into that in a second that eligibility criteria. So it must be renewable generation. Uh, it, you must be registered with ESB networks for an export grid connection. Um, and where a smart meter is available to you, you should have a smart meter fitted. The last thing I'd say, if you just look at those numbers, the amount of money per annum, um, it's, it's a generous amount of money compared to where we were two years ago. But still with that, it wouldn't necessarily um, make the viability on its own in relation to renewable generation. So it's important to remember that the, the, the major portion of the viability is actually the 60% consumption that you're, you know, that from your solar power generation. So that 60% consumption is offsetting the 60% of electricity that you would otherwise be paying for to buy through your energy supplier. And with electricity prices at 25 or 27 or whatever they might be based on the announcements yesterday, you're, you're obviously doing a lot better by self-consuming than you are by exporting. And that's likely to always be the case. So the key message there is viability is heavily dependent on your ability to self-consume the electricity that you generate. And a small amount of money is available if you need to export to the grid. The other plank then is, one of the other plans is capital grants. So capital grants are available for new domestic installations now. Um, and there's no size limit for domestic installations. Uh, but they're also uh, will be available for new non-domestic installations less than or equal to six kilowatts. The maximum grant available is 2,400 euros. And there's been recent changes to the scheme to increase the accessibility of the scheme. So that means that the minimum BEO requirement has been removed. So there's no need to achieve a minimum BEO rating as part of the installation of the solar PV. And homes built before 2021 are now eligible. So that has increased the eligibility from homes built before 2011 up to 2021. 
One other change that we've made is that there's no direct support for batteries. Um, the reason for that is partly to do with the clean export guarantee. So there's a direct route for excess electricity uh, to go back to the grid. And that, that electricity is valuable for your, you know, your neighbours and in the local network. But also because our assessment of battery costs don't support the, the viability of, of exchequer funding, funding batteries at the moment. Now, that is something that we're going to keep under review. And it's not necessarily the case that batteries don't make sense for everybody. It's just on average, we find that um, at the moment, battery costs are still very high uh, and the optimum um, arrangement is for people to maximize their self-consumption and then export a small residual to the, to the grid and get paid for that. That, that payment um, at a domestic level, there, there's also a tax exemption up to 200 euros per annum for domestic customers in receipt of the clean export guarantees. So there'll be no tax liability for the remuneration that you receive through that exporting electricity. So as I said, capital grants for new domestic installations and for non-domestics up to six kilowatts. So what's the situation for people above six kilowatts? The arrangement for people above six kilowatts is that they will have access to the premium export tariff or the clean export premium. So this is the feed-in tariff for export electricity to the grid for installations between 6.1 and 50 kilowatts. The tariff that we set was 13.5 cents per kilowatt hour, coincidentally, um, and there is a cap on how much you can be remunerated. So 80% of the total generation capacity will be remunerated over the 15 years. It's a guaranteed price for 15 years, and that, that funding is, is being supported by the PSO levy or the Public Service Obligation levy, which is something that you're probably used to seeing on your electricity bills. And that, you know, historically, that has been funding large-scale renewables and peat. Um, and obviously, peat is no longer supported, but large-scale renewables like the RES scheme that I referred to earlier is, is, is how PSO funding is used. Now, it might be used to help fund um, you know, microgenerators, which is which is an important um, uh, change. And just to say that if you have residual electricity above the 80% cap, then that will be eligible for the CEG only. Um, so I have a lot of detail on some of the slides around these individual um, supports, uh, and I won't go through all that detail, but when people have a chance to review the slides, uh, there might be answers to some of their questions in there. Um, as, I've, as I've said, the CEG is, is not a government support. It's been introduced as an obligation because of an EU directive. And the CRU is responsible for, for its implementation. The CRU is the energy regulator or the Commission for Regulation of Utilities. So they set the rules in, of the electricity market for suppliers, for example. Um, and they've decided that the CEG will be on a competitive market basis. You need to get an export grid connection, as I mentioned, from ESB networks and a smart meter where available. And you can expect an initial payment or credit within a reasonable time frame after June 2022. Now, if you're not eligible for a smart meter, your export will be on a deemed basis. And CRU has determined that the deemed export will be 35% of the total generation capacity. And the last piece to say is that the CEG is available to existing microgenerators and it will be available to new microgenerators. It's not just um, domestic, it's domestic and non-domestic, and it's available above the microgeneration scale as well. So in the future, um, when people are interested in installing above 50 kilowatts, 
CEG will also be available. So how do I get the CEG? You need to have renewable generation on your home or business. You need to register for an export grid connection. And I've given the two uh, links there to the grid connections. The first is a microgenerator um, grid connection, NC6 it's known as, and that application is free. Uh, it's an inform and fit process. So you, um, you fill in the forms, you send it to ESB networks. And if you haven't heard from them in 20 days, it's okay to uh, install and connect your renewable generation. That's available up to six kilowatts single phase or 11 kilowatts three phase. Above that, up to 50 kilowatts, there's the mini generation uh, grid connection process from ESB networks. That application costs approximately 1,000 euros, including that. Uh, and there is a um, 60 day, I think it is, or four to six week um, application process. That application is on a trial process at the moment from ESB Networks. They introduced it in December of last year. Uh, and the trial is to run for six months or until 150 applications have been received, whichever is the soonest. The other thing you need is to have a smart meter fitted where available. Again, if it's available to you, all smart meters are being replaced over the course of the program between now and 2024. Um, there's no cost to have a smart meter fitted. Uh, and if you, um, want to get a smart meter fitted if you haven't got one already you can apply to your supplier or via esb networks the next thing is you should shop around for the best ceg rate and enter into a contract with the supplier so as i mentioned pinergy have advertised their ceg rate to the first people in the market that we're aware of to do that at 13.5 cents per kilowatt hour but we expect other suppliers to enter the, into the market in the coming days and weeks and we expect there to be differences in the rates because it will be uh, a competitive um, uh, initiative of suppliers to attract people as they do with their electricity supply prices. And as I mentioned, once you uh, are eligible and you have connected, you can expect a first payment after June 2022. So the capital grant, as I mentioned, the domestic capital grant is available now from SEAI, and I've given a link to the scheme uh, website, and it will be available to non-domestic applicants in July of this year. The maximum grant across both sectors is 2,400 euros. Um, and at the moment, it's only solar PV, but SAI are assessing extension of the scheme to other technologies in quarter two. And the intention also is to reduce the grant by up to 300 euros per annum from 2024 onwards until the viability gap is filled. So it's fixed for 2022 and 2023. Uh, so that will be the best time to, uh, to go forward with an installation of that size. Um, because we do anticipate that the grant rates will come down in, in subsequent years. And that isn't just based on trying to remove supports, but it's based on that the scale of adoption will drive down the costs further. And we believe that there'll be greater competition. We've seen from 2018 to now an increase from seven installers to over 150 installers. And they're obviously all competing for business. In the, in the background, the panel prices have reduced uh, and the efficiency of the industry to deliver those uh, panels has increased. So, you know, there is a downward pressure on costs. And just to say that exchequer funding is assigned to the SCAI supports as part of the overall en envelope provided to, uh, to them under the National Development Plan. So this is a program that will run uh, as planned towards 2030. And the last piece, the clean export premium, that's not available at the moment. It's due after quarter three, 2022. It's only available to non-domestic applicants and it's only available 
for installations between 6 and 50 kilowatts. Um, the CEP rate of the Clean Export Premium Tariff rate will be 13.5 cents per kilowatt hour in 2022 and 2023, and it'll be fixed for 15 years. We also anticipate reducing that rate for new applicants in 2024 and each year thereafter. Um, and as I said earlier, the volume of export electricity to be supported is capped at 80% of total approved generation capacity, but you are eligible for the CEG for any residual above that. And I mentioned that the PSO levy is funding this clean export premium. Okay, so just to move on to return on investment. So we assessed almost 80 different archetypes or 80 different types of technology in terms of solar PV, micro wind, micro hydro, and micro renewable combined heat and power or CHP. And we looked at it across different sectors. So we looked at it at domestic, at SMEs, small, medium and large, at agriculture, etc. So what we found was that solar PV is the lowest cost technology overall, and that rooftop is slightly better in terms of cost than ground mounted. And the cost range, to give you an idea of the cost that we, we saw on average, for a two kilowatt domestic system, you're talking about 2,200 euros per kilowatt, hour, per kilowatt installed. But when you move to 50 kilowatts, you're, you could come down to 1,200 euros per kilowatts. Now, people may say that there's different prices available in the market. These are average prices and they reflect the average number of challenges within solar installations. So there, it is possible to get lower than that if you have an optimum uh, you know, rooftop location, for example. It's really important to understand that retail electricity costs are higher than any of the uh, tariffs that we've mentioned. So they are higher than the clean export premium and they're higher than the clean export guarantee. So therefore consuming self-generated electricity will always give the best return. And as a result of that, the optimal return of investment includes not only getting the best cost of installation from a range and you know quotes from a range of installers, um, but it's also ultimately about maximizing self-consumption. Because if you're offsetting 25 cents per kilowatt hour for every kilowatt of electricity that you consume by using your own self-generated electricity, then that's better than any amount of money that you will receive by exporting that electricity through the grid through the CEG or the CEP. And when you look at that optimum return on investment, it is possible quite reasonably on average to achieve an eight to nine year payback on the installation. And what I would say about payback is solar PV will always pay you back, but depending on, on how big you install relative to your, to your consumption, how much you pay for that installation, and ultimately uh, how much you can consume um, and what the, the retail electricity prices are, you know, the, it can be very site specific. So um, what you're always trying to do is to get the best return on investment. So the shortest payback period. And we believe that eight to nine years is very achievable. Bear in mind that the solar PV technology, for example, has a 25 to 30 year lifetime. So if it's paid for itself in eight or nine years, you've got 10 to 15, maybe 20 years even of payback period where it's paying back to you more than its costs are. And the other thing to bear in mind is, um, you know, if you have the money or you, you can finance the investment in solar PV today, uh, it will immediately reduce your electricity bills. And that's really important today in, in these very high electricity and, and generally in high energy prices. So the, the savings that you make by not consuming electricity from your supplier 
and also by being remunerated from the clean export guarantee, for example, um, those savings happen immediately. Uh, and what that means is that the investment is paying for itself from day one. And finally, just to say that um, there is uh, accelerated capital allowances available for solar PV technologies. So there are uh, there is the ability to write off investments, capital investments related to solar PV. I mentioned communities um, and just to say that um, it's really important that communities are facilitated to take part in the microgeneration support scheme and, and generally within government supports. Uh, we've seen renewable energy communities take part in the large-scale renewable electricity support scheme. So there are seven projects uh, that are going through at the moment to deliver between one and five megawatts or one and six megawatts of, of renewable projects. Um, and they can be, uh, they, they are um, in the first renewable electricity auction, at a minimum of 51% of community ownership. And in, in the second renewable electricity auction, which is planned later in the year, they will be 100% owned by renewable energy communities. So this is individuals who live uh, and businesses that operate and community organizations that operate in the vicinity of the renewable energy projects. So we envisage that a renewable energy community would have, a, in, in terms of microgeneration, would have at least one premises, which is an electricity consumer. Um, there are eligibility requirements to be met to be an REC, and I'll just talk about the definition of that shortly. Um, it is possible for an REC to um, share or to sell through peer-to-peer -peer or other trading arrangements any additional residual electricity export to the grid. These are outside the scope of the, of the microgen support scheme, and the energy regulator will be introducing regulated frameworks of, for that in the coming months and years. And just to say that, that the energy regulator, the CRU, has publicly consulted on arrangements with communities, including OECs, and I've given you the link to that. So some of the questions you might have around this may be answered in that, um, in that consultation of those consultations. So I mentioned the definition. It comes from the Renewable Energy Directive, um, and I, the, the full definition is, is there, but I just want to draw your attention to the, the text in bold. It's important to note that a renewable energy community includes shareholders or members' participation that does not constitute their primary commercial or professional activity. So it's not meant to be a purely commercial enterprise. And the other uh, criteria that's important to note is that the primary purpose of the renewable energy community is to provide environmental, economic, societal, or social community benefits for shareholders or members, or for the local areas where it operates, rather than financial profits. So it is possible for a renewable energy community to have profits, but it's envisaged that any um, profits over and above, obviously paying back for the investment, will be channeled into those uh, benefits locally. Now, I mentioned the, inter the interaction between the microgen support scheme and TAMS. So TAMS supports solar PV up to a maximum of 11 kilowatts with no export of electricity. And notwithstanding the administration differences of the two schemes and the available capital envelopes that are in TAMS, we believe on a comparative basis, the grant support from TAMS is more attractive than the microgen support scheme grant. And I would say that we were not trying to compete with TAMS in terms of grant monies. Grants under TAMS are delivered under a separate scheme entirely. Uh, and they're targeted at the agricultural sector only, whereas the microgen support scheme is a broad-based support available to all sectors. 
It is possible for farmers to avail of the clean export premium for additional installation capacity above the 11 kilowatts. But I would say that there are administrative challenges that we need to work out. And that will, that will form part of the finalization of the clean export premium tariff terms and conditions, which will be published later. It's really important to note though, it's not possible for farmers to receive a TAMS grant and a microgen support scheme capital support for the same investment. So you can't get two levels of grant support or capital support for one investment. I also mentioned, and, and from the graph that I showed earlier, that uh, above 50 kilowatts and up to one megawatt of renewable generation, um, that there are no supports available at the moment. And the Climate Action Plan includes a commitment to develop a small-scale generation support scheme to target support for deployment of rooftop and ground-mounted solar PV in that uh, size range. We are currently working with the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland on a policy design for a support scheme for small-scale generation, which is being progressed at present, and we expect it to become available in 2023. So this scheme will enable larger businesses, farms, and community projects to maximise their participation in the energy transition. So just to say that we have something through the micro-generation support scheme up to 50 kilowatts available at the moment, and in time we will have something between 50 and at least one megawatt, but potentially higher. Finally, just to be aware of the policy enablers. So I mentioned grid connections are really important because to be paid for export, you must be registered with ESBN for export. Um, and ESBN introduced their, grid, their mini generation grid connection process on the 17th of December. So that's available as a new grid connection process uh, in tandem with the microgeneration support scheme. <clears throat> Smart meters, I mentioned, are available to almost 700,000 customers. And finally, from a planning perspective, uh, we know that there are um, existing exemptions for um, solar PV and other technologies. And I've given the links to the um, statutory instruments which provide those exemptions. Um, so there's one for domestic and one for non-domestic. Um, the Department of Housing, Local Government and Heritage are working on revisions to those solar exemptions. Um, we know that um, as a result of European uh, directives on habitats and on planning, uh, planning regulations, a strategic environmental assessment and an appropriate assessment are required to be completed. Now, they're both underway at the moment, I'm happy to say, and we expect that um, if nothing significant comes out of those assessments, that the, um, that the draft solar exemptions will go out for public consultation in the coming months. So we know that they're long overdue and people are, are heavily anticipating um, improved exemptions to allow them to install a solar PV without having to go through planning and we expect that to be uh, um, expedited in the, in the short term. What can we anticipate from that? Well, some of the guidelines around the reviews, which DEC, our department has contributed to, is to recognise that there are proportionate restrictions on what can be exempted through planning guidelines, um, but it's also to try to maximise the facility of the planning exemptions towards the renewable um, energy targets that, that the government is committed to. And it's also finally then to take account of the impact of the visualist, uh, the, the visual impact of solar PV in particular uh, on the roof, on the visual amenity of, of neighboring installations. So um, there are existing per square meter limits to the exemptions. So people may be familiar that it's 12 square meters for a domestic house and 25 square meters for other buildings and up to 50 square meters. So we expect some of those um, 
exemption limits to be revised upwards. And we also expect that where possible, those roof types that don't have an impact on visual immunity, such as flat roofs, um, that there will be greater exemptions allowed for there. And also where roof aspects, for example, if your roof is facing onto the back of your own property and doesn't is not overlooked by neighboring properties, that there may be greater exemptions allowed, uh, but all will be made available through the public consultation. So as I said, the policy landscape, the plan is for the microgeneration support scheme to increase the amount of supports in the um, zero to 50 kilowatt space significantly. And we can look forward to the small scale generation scheme increasing supports further from 51 up to 1000 kilowatts. And also through successive renewable electricity support schemes, we'll see a significant increase in renewable generation at, at large scale. The clean export guarantee tariff effective date was the 15th of February, so it's available today. The domestic grant scheme for the microgen support scheme is available since the 16th of February. Uh, and we are planning to publish the final scheme design at the end of this quarter. Um, finally, the SAI will extend grants to other technologies on a phase basis um, from June onwards, uh, and they will extend the grants to non-domestics in July of this year. And the last piece in the clean export premium tariff, we expect a, a public consultation on implementation plan from the CRU or the energy regulator in quarter three of this year. So thank you for your attention and we'll take any questions. That's great, Rory. Thank you very much for that. Um, you've covered a huge amount of information there and I suspect some people might be looking back, uh, wanting to look at the recording with, with the, the detail and the presentation, of course, will be available on the Chagas website. Just to give you a breather there for a second, Rory, uh, Barry, if I could uh, just ask you about um, the the non, uh, there's been a lot of discussion around PV panels, but what other types of uh, te technologies are, are, are being used out there for, for micro-generation? Are, are they viable? Um, wind, I know there's wind turbines and there's uh, hydroelectric uh, uh, generators as well. Yeah, I suppose PV is the main is the main one at the moment, and it's it's looking to be the most economically promising as well for farmers and as well as domestic people to engage in. Um, hydroelectric is a possibility, but there's a high, higher cost associated with that. Um, wind turbines, yeah, you could have small scale wind turbines, but again, they do come at a at a fairly high cost. Um, it can be an issue. I noticed a lot of people actually put in small scale wind turbines back around 2009. There was a microgeneration scheme at the time. Many of them put them in the wrong site. There was poor advice available at that particular time. There was a lot of companies came in from you know, Canada, the United States, and from all over Europe and selling one or two turbines. And what I found is that many of them, the fact that they only sold one or two turbines in the country, backup and uh, you know, service and maintenance was a, a major issue with it. And that's the same for a lot of these technologies, whether it's heat pumps, whether it's solar PV, whether it's wind, it's very important that you know that you're dealing with a technology provider that can give you a good backup service that they just and that they don't have uh, just that they have a good reputable sales team in the country technicians service people uh, on the ground as well mm. yeah the, the the solar i know living in the west of ireland uh, we don't always get the the, the the highest levels of sun and uh, you do wish that there was some way of kind of extending that generation period Particularly during the winter period and even nighttime as well, you know that you're actually 
generating and, and capturing that wind. But uh, Rory, you mentioned in one of your final slides there that uh, SEAI are going to be extending the grants to, to new technologies. What, what sort of technologies does that include? Yeah, so the approved um, technologies under the microgeneration support scheme are solar PV, micro wind, micro hydro and micro renewable CHP. Um, and I, I would say that um, I think Barry mentioned that there was a scheme in place through Electric Ireland going back to 2009 and where up to approximately 800 renewable generators availed of an export tariff as a pilot scheme. Uh, and it's very interesting to know, given that, that at that particular time, um, different technologies and maybe had different cost bases than they do today, the largest um, proportion of technology was microwind. So we're very interested in um, sort of introducing supports that are technology agnostic. So we don't mandate that there's one technology that is supported. We have looked at it on the basis of supporting the lowest cost technology, and that is solar PV based on all the evidence that we have. If we look across at the UK, for example, in the, in the feed-in tariff scheme that they introduced and subsequently the smart export guarantee that they've introduced, 99% of the technology is solar PV. Um, and um, I think 97% of uh, the installations are below 10 kilowatts. So what we see is a massive dominance of domestic and small scale um, solar rooftop PV. Um, but, we, but we do recognize that some people have facilities on a very site specific basis whereby they have a, the possibility to install micro wind or micro hydro. And um, really micro renewable CHP, the technology isn't really there at the moment as far as we understand. Um, but obviously we're, we keep an open mind to all technologies. So we have eligible technologies um, and we will keep them under review over the years. SAI have some experience in micro wind in particular. Uh, and I think maybe in the long past micro uh, hydro as well. So they're going to go back over that to get a state of the art of what's involved. And really what they want to be able to do is they want to be able to say, there's a, a sustainable technology product in the market there, that, that there are reasonable installation standards that, that, you know, to protect the homeowner or the small business that an installer can be expected to install that. And it will run problem free for a number of years as is the case with solar PV. Mark, just I might remind, just say, sorry, Barry, go ahead. I might just say as well that, you know, this is micro-generation under 50 kilowatts. And just because, uh, you know, a lot of people would be restricted in certain parts of the country as regards the size, so you, you won't necessarily uh, be able to put up 50 kilowatts on all farms. Uh, and what you would be restricted by is your maximum import capacity. And that will determine what size of a solar PV installation you can put on. So if it's a car garage in Dublin, where there's a three-phase supply available, most of them will be looking at 50 kilowatts putting it on in, in a Dublin-type environment. But in rural Ireland, where you have, I suppose, that the highways of electricity generation wouldn't be as great as around the cities, mm. uh, you will be restricted based on your maximum import capacity. So 90% of the transformers around the countries in rural areas on single phase are 15 kVA. So that means that they'll be restricted to maybe about within it, with the... Uh, with the um, possibly around maybe 15 to 16, maybe to 18 kilowatts of PV on those farms. Mm -hmm. So it's, it won't be a given that you, it, it, it'll be different in every, I suppose, farm household. And Rory mentioned that it'll be site by site specific, what's going to be appropriate. But mm -hmm. the key to all of this is that you're maximizing as much as possible to offset your own electric, electrical use. 
Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's a whole new language. I think we're people are having to learn, and uh, you know, it'll it'll take a little while for people to get their heads around it. But it, look, the the economics are, are are really starting to stack up there. Um, in relation to the um, the you know, for example, if somebody wanted to put in a ten um, kilowatt system, um, and they they apply for let's say they apply for the the, um, the the SEAI grant for that, or and are they eligible then for the the premium uh, payment if, if 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 it is above the six kilowatts, or is that restricted to to the, the more commercial type uh, systems? Okay, so I think it's important, and there is a complexity to, to the supports. We recognise that, and it's important that we understand how we are with how we got to where we are with the supports. At a domestic level, there is no size limit on the installation. So for a domestic house or a domestic farmhouse, um, there's no limit to the size of the installation. But bear in mind that the maximum support grant is 2,400 euros. And that's really designed to support the average size house of around two to three kilowatts, which is what they can reasonably expect to install and self-consume at the level of, you know, 60 to 70 percent, which is really an optimum type arrangement. If you're a non-domestic, you can only get a grant from the microgeneration support scheme up to six kilowatts. And that's available. That will be available from July when SEI introduced the, 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 that new scheme onto their system. And then above six kilowatts is the clean export premium tariff. So this is where you get paid on export rather than the capital grant. And that will be, be available after quarter three of this year. Okay. okay. Now, all, all of those... All of those will be eligible for the clean export guarantee. That is not a government support. That is a, a, an entitlement that anything that you export to the grid will at least be paid the clean export guarantee. Yeah, it's important to differentiate between the two of those, Mark, as well. The clean export guarantee is paid by the utility. So it's not a government support. So you're, it's your Electric Ireland, your Energy, whoever you're, you're, you're dealing with. And you could be going from one to the other and uh, succeeding years and changing to Electric Ireland, changing to Pinergy, Borgash, uh, Energia, and getting a different CEG rate with those. And as Rory mentioned, the only one that we're aware of or that I'm aware of at the moment that's come out with the CEG rate is Pinergy at 13 and a half cent, which is unusual as Rory also mentioned, because uh, this time last year, uh, you know, we were talking about a market rate of electricity of around five cent per kilowatt hour. And now it's, exceeded 10 cents per kilowatt hour because that's the way electricity prices have gone so who knows what way it's it's all going to go i just see one question has come in there and i just put it to rory there and a lot of farmyards and the domestic houses are on the same mprn uh, rory and the question is can someone apply for the micro generation scheme up to six kilowatts on their domestic dwelling house and install more kilowatts of solar pv to account for the farm usage for both the farm and house around the same MPRN meter. So that will be determined by the nature of the account that they have. So whilst they have one meter, the question that needs to be assessed is, is that a domestic meter? Is it a domestic supply contract or is it a non-domestic supply contract? Uh, if it's domestic, then they can apply for a capital grant uh, at any size, but that's all they'll be eligible for. Um, and if it's a non-domestic, then up to six kilowatts, they'll be entitled to a capital grant later in the year. And if it's uh, above six kilowatts, then they'd be entitled to a clean export premium. And that'll be after quarter three this year. So it's, I understand that the farms uh, have a bit of a peculiarity in that respect, in that obviously when they were originally connected, 
um, there was you know less differentiation between domestic and non-domestic. It was just electricity supplies. But the, the in some cases the farm use the, the farm operation use has exceeded the domestic use. Um, but we also understand that that a number of farms have two meters, one for the domestic house and one for the farm operation. So it really is determined by the nature of the account that you're connecting to. And right. if you have two meters, I suppose, on the face of it, you'd be entitled to uh, a grant for either meter because that's how SAI would assess your application. It will be based on one grant per MPRN, as you say. Okay. okay. Yeah, yes, the, the majority it, would have the domestic meter in that situation, uh, you know, where the farmyard and the and the house are on the same meter. And so it would be a domestic connection. So in that situation, they wouldn't be entitled to a CEP payment. It would be, no. it would be a CEG payment. Yeah, and, and it's quite likely, as you mentioned as well, which is important to note, that the MIC or the import connection of a domestic connection feeding a farmhouse and the farm buildings is likely to be quite low. So the ability to, to get an export connection above six kilowatts is probably quite limited. Are there safeguards in place there, Rory, with the CRU for farmers or individual households who might agree with an electrical company to supply them with electricity at an agreed price per kilowatt hour in the CEG, but they may discover that they're now being charged above the prices for their electricity by their company afterwards. So they might go into an agreement, they're getting it with one hand by a particular electrical company, a utility, uh, with a fairly good CEG rate, but then they discover that they're being fleeced maybe on the day rate for electricity or something like that afterwards. Yeah, I suppose um, like it's a fully deregulated market that we have in Ireland. So the 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 CRU or the energy regulator doesn't um, mandate price levels, and um, they do uh, you know and and you. The suppliers are obliged to supply to to comply with their license conditions, and some of those license conditions are set down by EU directives around competition and fairness and transparency of pricing. But I think the important thing to say is that it's really important to shop around, and we're 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 becoming used to shopping around for our home insurance, car insurance, and electricity and gas costs. For example, we now need to be able to shop around for how much we're getting paid for export. And if that's bundled with one supplier, then I think it's it's really important at the same time that if you're getting the best CEG rate in the market, that you're also getting a competitive rate for the energy supply. That ultimately you will you will event, you will actually always need some sort of a supply contract in place. You know we're never going to be um, completely self-sufficient because obviously at night time, for example, if you have solar PV and you want lights on, your solar PV isn't going to provide it. So you're going to be taking electricity from the network. Yeah, that's a really important point. Uh, Leo, there's a question there in relation to uh, accelerated capital allowances and, and can batteries avail of this? No, I think Rory said that the, the batteries are not covered under the programme. Okay. So, uh, under, ca under capital allowances, um, different to the microgeneration support scheme, oh, sorry. Uh, the renewable tech, renewable installation is covered. I, I don't know the direct answer to that, whether that specific subtlety has been teased out, uh, Mark, but it is something that we could look into. Um, as far as I'm aware, it's the renewable installation, but whether that specifically allows for or excludes batteries costs, uh, I'm not 100% certain on, but we'd certainly be good to get that answer from Department of Finance. 
there was mention of an FAQ around this. Is that is that going to be available soon, or I, I, maybe from a previous webinar I heard that? Or is there is there where can people find out more information about the the scheme? I know SEAI have some information on their website. Is that only to, for domestic uh, um, consumers or producers? Or yeah, where, so where current, currently SAI are providing grant support to domestic solar PV, and over time that will expand out to other technologies and to non-domestic sector. There's a lot of information on our website, and I'll just share my screen again just to, to show you the link from those. So on that link at the bottom of the page there, at the end of the presentation, is a link to our microgeneration landing page, if you like. And we've provided a lot of um, question and answer type information there um, and links out to the various bodies that are involved in microgeneration. It is, it is a, a, a complex enough network because grant, there's grant supports through Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland. There's CG tariffs through your supplier who are regulated by the energy regulator who, you know, there's other links out to their documents. There's consultations. And then ultimately, there's a clean export premium tariff to come uh, and our own terms and conditions to be published. So that page there is, is a central um, resource for people who want to know a bit more about the um, about the various aspects of the scheme. There is a good few more questions coming through well, there, I see. There's a good few. We go through fairly fast. What support is there for small hydroelectric generators? I have both terrestrial and tidal power generators generation potentials and could easily generate eight kilowatts contingent on planning permission. So maybe you could comment on that already. Yeah, so it's an eligible technology is what I would say under the scheme. What we don't have is we don't have the, um, the scheme arrangements for a grant up to six kilowatts uh, for a non-domestic. Uh, now, if it was for a domestic house, it would be eligible at any size. So eight kilowatts would be, would be eligible. But SER are working on that at the moment and we'd expect to have further information available. Um, and I think one thing to do is that there is a small hydroelectric association of Ireland. So to get in touch with them as well, and, and we'll be dealing with them directly also. Um, question there, could you outline the distinction between sustainable energy community and renewable energy community, please, as a similar, similarity of the name is very confusing. Yeah, so I suppose the renewable energy communities to deal with first is uh, defined under legislation. So. Um, that is something that's coming down through EU directives, and it's a description of a group who would be uh, need to be formed, and therefore they, they have rights and entitlements under that legislation. A sustainable energy community is a group who register with SEAI, and through that they are working with SEAI on um, a number of different programs around sustainability. So there can be um, energy efficiency improvements. Uh, and it can be local environment improvements, uh, but it's also about access to renewable electricity supports. And it was a requirement of the renewable electricity support scheme that um, SE sustainable energy communities, if they wanted to get access to the supports that were offered under that scheme, that they would register with SEAI and become a sustainable energy authority. So in essence, those SECs, and there are as I understand it, there are at least four or 500 of those in Ireland registered to date. Um, they are basically those communities in the vicinity at the moment of, let's say a wind farm or a solar farm that's, that's either developed or under development. And they're going to be given uh, a payment out of the profits of, that, um, of those wind and solar farms 
from the government supports that they receive in order to, for them to invest in sustainability projects in their, in their locality. Rory, at the moment, we have the microgeneration going up to 50 kilowatts. We have res kicking in at 500 kilowatts up to, up to infinity nearly. But then between, that, that, between 50 kilowatts and 500 kilowatts, you mentioned the, the small scale generation scheme. When is that going to kick in and what do you think it's going to be about? Will it be an opportunity for farmers here also? Yeah, so it, it's, it's clearly to, to fill that gap and it will most likely be similar, we think, to the clean export premium tariff. So effectively it will be supports and I can't anticipate it in detail what they'll look like yet. Um, and the work is, is only underway to assess the, the viability gap that needs to be supported. So how much money is required to make it viable within a reasonable return period. Um, but we will be looking at, so these larger uh, energy users, um, but also smaller um, renewable projects which are just purely for export so the community projects in res are purely for export and they start at one megawatt and go up to six megawatts and so we could see smaller versions of those projects uh, availing of supports under the small scale generation so that can be on farmland and it could involve farmers and um, collaborating with other community activists to bring to put together a project and, they, and, they, and it's possible that they will need to be 100% community owned, as is the case currently with the latest res auction. But as I mentioned, if you're just a large scale energy user um, and you want to install solar PV, PV, for example, above 50 kilowatts, that there will be some support in there for them. So certainly it will be available to farmers. And I would say that just as part of the, the approval of the microgeneration support scheme and as part of the development of the program for government, which included the commitment for the small scale generation, it is recognised that there is a lot of available roof space in Ireland and that the farming sector is, a, uh, is particularly significant in that regard uh, in relation to having those assets available, roof space uh, and you know energy demand, uh, which facilitate putting solar PV, for example, on the roof self-consuming as much of that to reduce the carbon footprint of the farm operations, but also exporting uh, renewable electricity into the local communities. And do you think that by this, this time next year, we'll have details in the small-scale generation scheme? Yeah, so the plan is to go for public consultation in the second half of this year and to launch the scheme uh, in the early part of 2023. Okay, um, folks, unfortunately, we're over time. It's hard to believe. We're, I don't know where that hour went. Um, Rory and Leo, thank you so much for, for joining us and uh, giving us that information. Um, I expect there's going to be a lot more questions about this over the next number of, of months and indeed years. The, the farming sector, I know, has a lot to contribute here, so uh, it will be important for sure to have you know, some schemes that are, are, are designed or that there's a hand in glove uh, fit there with the, that domestic uh, farm situation there that uh, we don't have people falling between the gaps as a result. Or, but uh, look, I think there's, there's, there's huge, obviously a huge uh, uh, effort being put behind this at a government and an EU level. So I think we're, we're, we're going to see a lot more of this, uh, this uh, discussion over the next number of months. Barry, thanks very much for helping with the questions and your, your, um, your expertise there as well. And I want to say thank you to Yvonne Maher for helping in the background, uh, to Andy Boland, uh, who's our series producer, 
and to everybody for their excellent questions today. Unfortunately, we didn't get time to answer all of the questions, so um, we will no doubt have another session uh, similar to this in the future. Um, do join us next week uh, for our 100th episode. It's hard to believe. Uh, 100, uh, this is uh, our 99 today. Uh, so we're going to be joined with a special guest next Friday. Uh, so do join us at half nine next Friday for that. So once again, Rory, uh, Leo and Barry, thanks uh, for uh, today's session. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the podcast version of the Chagisk Signpost series, the weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Don't forget to join us live every Friday morning for our latest webinar. For more, visit chagisk.ie. And you can also rate, review, and subscribe to the Signpost series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Mark Gibson, and thanks for listening.